Yeah, I was say I was thinking of a, a Libby episode that we did in Chicago three years ago. That was a fun one. They're they're all they're oh, yeah. yes, that was oh, great. Yeah. That was very fun. We were all we had like six of us. Yeah, we, we were all on one laptop. Like, <laughs> yeah. we I don't know how we did that. I pulled into your sleepover, right? Yeah, <laughs> We were all sitting in each other's yeah, laps yeah. and shit. And yeah. The, was, yeah. the Biden special, yeah. And you talked about going to CPAC. Oh, no, no, it was a Politicon. Yeah. That was Politicon. Oh, Politicon. Oh, was, uh, oh man, Politicon, I want to go to yes. CPAC again. God. CPAC. I would it's love to go this year. I want to see online? I want, Like, the thing we realized is that CPAC is yeah, yeah, totally. out of power. That, seeing Trump live was awesome, though. That I remember that listening fantastic. to I, I listened to your episode about CPAC when I was driving to Malibu when I was in LA uh, in 2019 and I was really nervous because I hadn't ever really driven like on a real road before um, and it was very soothing to just listen to like Matt talking about being on acid and just completely <laughs> fucking losing his mind. I was like, okay, it could be worse. Oh, yes. Uncancelled. Yes. Fuck. Yes. Uncancelled. Yeah. Get Jonathan Chait up there. I wonder if there's like a digital thing. It's it's next week. It's the 25th. Maybe it says hotel. Yeah. If, you att- if you can attend by Zoom. Well, of course, they're like pretending yeah, right. yeah, COVID isn't real, but I, I would love to attend by oh, Zoom. I wish I had the vaccine. If I'd been vaccinated, I would absolutely go. But Who's who's even... Uh, uh, speaking here, attendees. Yeah, is Trump going to speak? Yeah, Trump you have to imagine. There? I doubt he'll be there. I doubt, I doubt he's going to bother. He doesn't want to be around those fucking three. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't like. He never liked any of those people. Why do they even bother having a senior ticket I, when it's surely it's just everybody who signs that's up? That's everybody. Speakers. Okay. All right. We got uh, Schlapp. Schlapp. We got Christy Nome. Scott oh, Christy Nome. Yeah, she's she's uh, going to be like the. She's trying to fulfill the Sarah Palin John prophecy Boyd? in twenty twenty. John Boyd. Uh, Hell yeah! Wait, I need to more, know more about this guy. Maj Tor, founder of Black Guns Matter. Black Guns Matter. I want to be reincarnated as a CPAC black guy. Oh, Scott Pressler. I love Scott Scott Pressler. Tom Fitton. Tom Fitton. I love Scott Pressler. Whitaker. Remember remember Matt Whitaker, the guy who did the the toilet? uh, He did the toilet uh, 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 scam. The toilet that like prevents your balls from falling in the water. Wayne Dupree. Holly, Josh Hallway. Madison Cawthorn. It's honestly with even without Dr. Ronnie. Of course, of course. They have Dr. Ronnie. Oh man, all the stars are here. Jim Jordan. Uh, Look at Mike Kelly. Even without Trump, it's pretty stacked lineup. Mike Kelly. Nice. nice So photo like the Photoshop on Robbie Starbuck. Look at that guy, Robbie Starbuck. What the fuck? He's a oh my god, he looks like he looks like Adam Scott (laughs) in a microwave. <laughs> Matthew Boyle, Matthew Boyle, James O'Keefe looks James old. O'Keefe. Boyle. James O'Keefe, yeah, he's no longer the young, the young boy. Ireland should never have existed. <laughs> Ian Smith, I believe this guy is notable just for being a gym owner who refused to close yeah, down yeah, during COVID. Him. Nice. He also killed somebody in a hit and run, or, or like a drunk driving thing. Two I know that. Yeah, I heard to about be that a conservative guy. star is like a yep, death yep. under your belt. You, you got to well, have a body on a body you. Look at Rob O'Donnell, senior law enforcement media contributor. <laughs> another another guy with a body count for sure. Yeah. Wait, wait, Doug Decent. Yeah, for Scroll sure. down at the very bottom, Doug Decent. Look at that beard oh. on, on Doug Decent. Nice. Oh, Decent Capital Services. Who the fuck is he? Jesus Christ. Well, all right, we uh, need to do a seat back. We'll see. We'll yeah, see yeah, if there's some way we can. Only like a recap. Can, uh, yeah, please do. I would love that. I'll look yeah. at a digital attendance. Man, I really All wish right. it was
Hello, gang. We're back again. Uh, just uh, chilling with you. It's uh, me, Matt, and Felix. But uh, joining us today is our old friend, Libby Watson, back in the trap, back in the cut. Libby, how's it going? I'm great, thanks. How are you doing? Well, there's a lot of stuff going on in the country. I want to just, uh, you know, at the top of the show, just uh, if, if you're available, if it's possible for you to listen to this show in Texas uh, the day it comes out, um, I just got to say solidarity with you guys. Please stay safe, stay warm. Or if you're in Texas listening to this next week, um, when you get power and the internet back, uh, I just got to say I was standing with you there um, when it counted. So we will be talking about um, uh, the state of the ice storm in Texas and what that means for the rest of the country. Uh, but before we get there, we have to acknowledge at the top of the show, gang, heaven just got a new muncher. <laughs> its name, Rush. Me, you at the crossroads, crossroads, crossroads. See you at the crossroads, crossroads, crossroads. This is like, I'm, I don't want to delve into conspiracy, but like a perfectly healthy 70 year old man. Like that yeah. doesn't just stop. A, per, a, per, a perfectly healthy seventy-year-old man who's been deep throating Havana's for the past fifty-six years. <laughs> yeah, Rush Limbaugh, unfortunately, um, and I take no pleasure saying this. I myself am a constitutional conservative. He had a very weak seed and left no descendants. <laughs> there is no claimant to House House Limbaugh. No bastards, oh. no legitimate heirs, no daughters. Yeah, all, all of those, uh, all of um, those golf clubs that he got from uh, like different uh, pedophiles are all just gonna rust in a fucking attic somewhere. <laughs> it is amazing. Like this guy, family yeah. values conservative, married seven hundred times, never had kids. Like you can't get a more obvious yeah. example of these people just like knowing what you dumbasses think is important. And pressing the buttons, mashing the buttons on your brain so that you cough out gold coins so that you can build a disgusting giant mansion. Louis Farrakhan, who's the real avatar of family values Absolutely. in America. Louis Farrakhan not only has nine children, nine strong seed, his mansion is across the street yeah. from two of his son's mansions. And they all, <laughs> all of them have pet tigers. Like the Krasensteins, how yeah. the Krasensteins live like two that's hills family houses values. down from each other. Rush Limbaugh right. literally doesn't know shit about family yeah. values. That's like, now he doesn't know shit about anything because he's fucking yeah. dead. Yeah, Louis Farrakhan, also a better broadcaster. Absolutely. And by Rush the way, I, want, I don't want this to go unsaid, especially yeah. you could say it now that he's dead. He is a, he is a fucking pedophile uh, sex trafficker who got caught with a duffel bag full of Viagra going to the Dominican Republic. Disgusting. And it, he is as much of yeah. a disgusting satyr as any Hollywood freak that conservatives are horrified by. Yeah, because they're the same person. They're all the yep. same fucking people. They're rich. Yeah. Rich people do that shit. Whatever bullshit they're telling you about their politics, that's what rich people do. Yeah, he's just kind of the Florida guy version of the the Hollywood guys. You know, I always imagine him with like several buttons undone in you know, a tropical shirt and that like a, the Jimmy Buffett restaurant or something. Um you know, it's just like the Florida version of Hollywood. And the funny thing I've seen about his death are the like Groiper people who are like base nationalists, <laughs> like getting mad at libs making fun of him. And it's like, no, that's like that's your you're just yeah. your dad. You're not a base <laughs> nationalist. Yeah, I mean, like he was literally like a fat Zionist who supported NAFTA. Yeah. And the he Iraq supported War. whatever the Republican Party at the time cared about, like the idea and that, I think yep. that's important yeah. to remember is like everybody who gets any power influence in politics, both at the media level, at the high level of like a Limbaugh and also political figures themselves, 
they don't do it by like grabbing the sinews of the earth and moving them in their direction. They get it by seeing where the fucking winds are going and then tacking their sails that way. And he is a perfect example of that. Pure cynicism. That's what powers I, I, all I, these people. Yeah, I want I want to get into that and a little bit about his his legacy, which is is certainly a real thing. I mean, he's probably done more to I mean, I mean, I know I know he was tacking with the winds of the Republican Party, but like I mean, him and Donald Trump are like the same person. Like there probably wouldn't have been a Donald Absolutely. Trump without without Oh Rush no, yeah, that's a, that's like a, he's done, that's like yeah, that's a relay race there. And you know, he he did more than anyone probably to make, you know, politics into entertainment so in that regard i doff my cap to him because you know we're both part of the same hypocrisy senator absolutely but i just wanted i want to note Salute. i just want to note though like <laughs> like uh you know when 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 a bad person dies you know i mean there is a a tendency among you know even people i like to to get in there get in their takes you know to get some burns in on the corpse of a dead person you know while their while their family i mean certainly not their children because he never had any but you know while while people are mourning uh, the loss of a human being. And I just said, like, you know, as a standard, when a human being dies, like, you should probably, if you have bad thoughts about them or, or want to critique their, uh, you know, the way they live their life, you should maybe save it for a couple of days. In this case, Rush Limbaugh is not a human being. He's a pig. He's a, he's a pig. Yeah. Man. Like, he is, a, he is not a, I mean, how shall I put this? He is, he is not a man, but a pig. His death is um, no different than a hog being slaughtered, yeah. choking out its last breath, um, choking, you know, in, in its own filth. That, that wrestling yeah, Except it, no one gets to eat a delicious sandwich of his corpse. He's, you know? yeah. he's, even, he's even more pointless. I would, li I would love yeah. a pulled rush sandwich, I have to say. It's <laughs> oh. marbling. Can you imagine? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he mean, was he he was a pig man. I mean, this guy is, is someone who is identical to Donald Trump in that, like he never learned a single thing in his life outside something. The only thing he ever learned was what like another giant rich ham man told him on a golf course. He never yeah. loved another human being yep. or any or even a pet for even a second of his worthless, miserable life. Nope. And I mean, the idea is like and then also like the oh, like, oh, you're not supposed to speak ill of the dead. Um, if you could make tens of millions of dollars, probably even hundreds of millions of dollars, spending every day of your life just farting your hatred for other people onto the airwaves for the the hooting, barking seals that make up your fucking listeners. Um, just, 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 just venting your fucking hatred for like liberals, black people, gay people, women, run down the list, openly shitting on other people when they die, uh, saying it's, you know, it's, it's good that they're dead. Um, in exchange for that, when you die, people might do the same to you. And who wouldn't take that fucking deal? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, if if I right. if I if I die tomorrow, like I don't want to I don't want to see anyone fucking being like, oh, like if, if I die tomorrow and no one is talking shit about me, then I will feel like I would I would feel like a failure if I knew. Yeah, but you aren't worth it. You know, so and like it, it's just this 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 need that like oh like it, 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 we we should allow him to pass into nothingness without noting like the the way he lit, led his life is is just is it's a farce to me. Fuck him. He's in hell right now, yeah. and he's exactly where he deserves to be. The world is better for him fucking not being here. But unfortunately, um, his effect on it is not going away anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy to give everybody permission to enjoy this because, like, my mom has lung cancer right now, and I still think it's really fucking funny that he died of lung cancer because it's Rush Limbaugh. You know, my mom didn't dedicate her life to, um, you know, going on the radio and spewing hatred about everybody. Uh, 
so yeah, it's it's different. It does it does in fact hit different. And also, uh, he choked out his last breath, denying that there was any connection between smoking tobacco and lung sure. cancer as well. He's you know denying that global warming was real. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like it's just like like as he was dying, like he like he 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 died exactly how he lived. Like I mean, you could say he's lying, but I mean, shit, like he probably believes it, or at least en- enough to say it. So I mean, who, who cares if, what he really thinks about it or not? Um, well, he, I don't think he like believed a lot of what he said. I mean, that's no, like, he didn't no believe way. anything in, in a lot of the, it, yeah. in a lot of the eulogies, people were like, oh, well he was just a showman. And it's like, doesn't that make him shittier? Yes. Yeah. Doesn't that make him like a way worse guy? Well, the thing is, it's like they're, they're trying that, to appeal like, to yeah. your like American, uh, instinctive, uh, respect for, uh, like Barnum esque con artists. Because that is the only American type that like truly does have a respect that transcends partisanship. All Americans respect somebody who gets one over on people, and that, that's true. You you can't get you can only get so many people to respect Rush on his death uh, for his ideology because you know that's going to be limited to people who shared it. But you can get past that if you say, "Give him credit. He knew how to work you rubes into a lather." And that is the only thing we respect. That is the only real American value. And the thing is, those people are right. He was he was a fucking like drive time radio guy. Like if things had gone differently, if he had not, if if the politics of America wasn't the way it was when, and he wasn't there to notice the the the, the chance and go for it, he would have been a guy like uh like talking to a stripper as she like tried to recite the alphabet on a Sibian or something like he was that guy. He was just a fucking, (laughs) he was just a radio guy. He was like, what do these idiots want to hear? And around the the early nineties, it became very clear that what they wanted to hear was their grievances reflected to them. And so he started doing it. And similar to Trump, like what he gave people and like, you know, why he had such a loyalty among his his listenership. I think what he gave people was, yeah, like a the, the voice of the angry man that's standing up for them and is not afraid to say the things that get them in trouble, like, you know, with their coworkers, their family, with broader polite yeah. society. But it's also like giving people the, uh, you know, permission to be as much of a selfish prick as possible, like to be as yep. mean to other people as possible, to be as cruel to like any other any group you don't like as possible and like look that that's his right i hate a lot of people and share my views on them such a subject uh, over a broadcast medium so but like here's the thing i think the best remembrance of uh rush limbaugh from the right was uh rich lowry of the national review an absolute pencil neck geek who could not be further from the fucking like you know like angry guy in the car rush all listener that you could possibly be but he said, like, look, what liberals who never actually listened to Rush Limbaugh and only read transcripts of the horrible things he said on his show through, you know, media matters or whatever, what they don't understand or what they can't grasp is just how funny Rush was. And just how <laughs> the, the, the word I keep hearing over and over again in these remembrances of Rush Limbaugh from people like Rich Lowry is like, he was a hoot. And like that to me gives up the whole game because like there was no one any there was there was never anyone who was less funny or witty than Rush Limbaugh. But. They are right. If you are on the right, if you are a right winger, if you're a conservative and you listen to Rush, that is funny. Like that is humor to you. Like when he describes like literally any accomplished black person in this country as a thug or, you know, like like any woman who disagrees with them is like an like an ugly pig or, you know, just like celebrates gay people dying of age, like, like AIDS. That's humor to them. Like that's that's funny. That's what they think is comedy. And the proof that right the proof that it is limited and that it's not 
just funny that it's only funny to these nasty slugs is that they tr- when he was at his zenith of popularity and he was sort of a political king of all media, they tried to give him his own show. I don't know if anyone remembers this fucking thing. Yeah, they no, gave the him a TV show. show, a late night show where he ta- he did a monologue to an audience and he did desk pieces and and and, and uh, interviewed guests and it ate shit. Like the non ideological public who is supposed to watch stuff like Leno watch this man is like, who is this repulsive fat turd? And just were like, get it off of my television immediately. And then he also tried to do uh, commentary for money for ESPN. ESPN, ESPN hired him to do Monday Night Football. As soon as he was outside oh of the ghetto of of conservative media, normal people were like, "This guy is disgusting. Who let this man into this fucking uh into the into the room to do this?" And that's like he was a guy who had limited talent, and what it was was to recognize the exact audience of imp- culturally impoverished hogs who he could essentially mimic, and that was his quote unquote talent which in America was enough to make him a multimillionaire. Yeah, I mean, I can speak with authority on this because, uh, like, you know, I, five years ago or whatever, I worked at Media Matters, and so I had to listen to that fucking shit, like, almost every day. And the idea that it was funny, I mean, it, it was at least more of a show than other right-wing radio shows, like, compared to listening to Mark Levin, which was like, <laughs> it's just nothing. Yeah, but yeah. seriously, wonder if my file had, like, crapped out in the middle of listening to it because there would be, like, a 10-second gap because he was getting himself like worked up about the constitution and, you know, he's just like, couldn't even get the words out, you know, but like at least Rush like kind of knew what he was doing. Um, but the idea that it was funny in any way is, is complete bullshit. Like they would have um, like these little, like sort of almost conservative weird owl parody songs on in between in like the ad breaks. Cause like, I guess they couldn't play the ads on the radio station that we were listening to or whatever. So he would just play these like, you know, little like Obama parody songs that were like, ha Obama's in the jungle kind of stuff. And it was just like, not even, not even close to uh, a laugh escaping my lips there. Yeah. Mark, Mark, Lev- Mark Levin show is, uh, it's good. I've, I've listened to it. I've watched him when he's filling in for people on Fox. It's like a substitute teacher trying a lower <laughs> dose of a medication. <laughs> Your totalitarian mindset. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good, good show. And the thing is, like, but like, you know, like everyone else. I mean, I guess that was his sort of u- unique thing is that literally everyone else on the right in in broadcast or journalism or whatever is just like Mark Levin with just like not even a shred of showmanship, uh, charisma, or anything. And what Rush offered was, yeah, like he he, he was an entertainer, like he was a conservative entertainer. I mean, and I think with Trump was the guy who bridged the gap between now, like you can just be a politician and just be purely an entertainer and not a it politician. It still at all. blows my mind that, uh, that Mike Pence got his start. Like after he, he tried to run for Congress and he failed, but then after that, he got his introduction to Indiana politics that led him to become governor as a fucking talk radio guy. He was Indiana's version of Rush Limbaugh. Just imagine that. Imagine the competition. Like, of course, he ended up romping because he was like he was like Minute Bull playing with a bunch of fucking four year olds. Like every like right. the regional versions of him, like the regional aggrievement monger conservative radio guys were dudes like fucking uh, Mike Pence. Just like, uh, you know, the, the conservative, the liberal loony left <laughs> is at it again, folks. Or guys with <laughs> no just, energy. There was, a, there was one dude I remember who got in trouble in 2008 uh, because he he kept he was at a rally for McCain and he kept saying Barack Hussein Obama, uh, and they had to like denounce him, which is hilarious. Thinking of how far we've gone since then, mm-hmm. and I remember just like 
going, being baffled. Like, who would listen to this man's voice? It was like he was having his dick put into a fucking chip clip every time he talked. Like, that's <laughs> like Rush Limbaugh, sonorous, beautiful radio voice, able to like just evince some sort of human affect and charisma made him he had, what he had, better than everybody look, trying to do that in the rest of the country. Well, this is what makes Ben Shapiro so baffling because he has the worst voice of anybody that I've ever heard. Like he sounds they, like a cartoon squirrel or something. They all sound like that. Like Mark Levin sounds like that. Well, that and like yeah. Master Shake, of course. Yeah, I, I like, uh, I mean, Rush Limbaugh's brother is one of those guys. Rush Limbaugh's brother is one of the low oh, energy yeah. Rush Limbaugh's. Yeah. yeah. David Limbaugh. David Limbaugh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, like what Rush had was like a conservative version of of swag, which was just like yes. the the barest amount of like jocularity mixed with like um a sort of like I'm not afraid to say that you know uh, black people are lazy and that gay people deserve to die of AIDS, you know, like and and like that's what he had, and you know, like you you mentioned it earlier, Matt, but um you can't libel the dead, but I'm still quite gun shy about it, so I'll just say. When you are arrested or detained coming back from the Dominican Republic with a handful of Viagra pills that you don't have a prescription for, uh, visiting a country that is, shall we say, known for the underage sex trade among wealthy uh, American and European tourists, uh, certain questions are going to get asked. Uh, I'll note, again, uh, Rush Limbaugh abused so many fucking Vicodin that he made himself deaf through it. And this yep. is after spending an entire career, an entire career demanding that like any drug addict or anyone who buys, sells or uses drugs is like a degenerate who should be put in jail or exterminated. He made himself deaf through prescription painkiller abuse. He also blamed that on his Maybe housekeeper. Was... <laughs> <laughs> like she was like she was like dusting the fucking shiffer robe and just like, hey, uh, you want you want some? Would you like some uh, Oxycontin? And he's like. Uh, I, the the peer pressure was too much. I just had to say yes. Yeah, I mean, maybe he was really good at radio because he just had to shout the whole time. That, <laughs> that that picture of him wearing one of those turtlenecks that just like pajamas, <laughs> like just like pajamas for like a fat sixty three year old who just like his job is eating club sandwiches with the really huge cigar, the one I just posted. That should be like the flag of half of America. Yep. Just a yeah. fat, awful, red-faced Cretan sucking on a giant fucking cigar. Too big to smoke in yeah. one fucking sitting, which means you're putting it out over and over again and changing the fucking place. You're just doing it to to signal whatever fucking like repressed sexuality you can't express and also to just let everyone know that you're epic. Yeah. A lot of guys who think they're Tony Soprano are actually just Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. <laughs> And like Ben Shapiro and those Daily Wire dorks, like they, they copy Rush in that sense, too, because every time like like they're just like, hey, hang out, riff session with the Daily Wire boys. They're always sucking on fucking cigars because they're like, oh, because like, I don't think they, they must. They, they probably don't even like doing it because, I mean, who the no. fuck does actually like smoking cigars? No, no yeah, one. Cigars suck. No one. And it's just like they do it because like for them, like for instance, like the exact same way Rush Limbaugh was comedy to them, like his presentation of like, I am a fucking hog who has just like uh, given, made, made, given myself a disability through my gluttonous abuse of food, nicotine and fucking painkillers. Um, but like, actually, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a cool, tough guy and a rebel because I'm chomping on this cigar. Like, it's just it's, it's the one affectation they allow themselves. that's like a nod to like. I'm a cool rebel. I'm a badass. Like I'm a tough guy. 
I'm not just like some some fucking pussy who's been carrying a fucking briefcase to school since he was 10 years old. Like, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a badass sort of like, you know, I don't play I play by my own rules. And you can tell that because I have this fucking big brown thing in my mouth. <laughs> That's how you end up with Benny Johnson putting pipe tobacco in his in his bio or whatever. It's just yeah. like signaling like i am not a pussy i'm actually a very very scary man yeah because i know <laughs> you know i remember correctly uh felix you were in uh new hampshire in in 2016 covering the primary then and he was not smoking pipe tobacco if i recall correctly no. he had a little pouch full of candy that he was eating out of <laughs> yeah and he like and he, and he dropped you could tell where Benny had been in the room because there was like a trail of rappers. Candy. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a children's detective game. Where is Benny? Encyclopedia yeah. Brown Eye. And like the thing is, though, like, you know, uh, he may be dead, but, you know, we're going to be living with his legacy for the rest of our lives because like, you know, yeah, like like he 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 probably more than any single person was just like the avatar of like where the conservative movement was headed and where it's still going and like i said like donald him and donald trump are like the perfect mirror image of each other they might as well be the exact same person and but like trump was the guy who 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 got over in in politics like as an elected uh, official as the president instead of yeah i mean he sort of you know sort of goosing everyone in that direction yeah i mean he like he kind of invented that whole owning the libs you know model of of politics and of like demagoguery or whatever just like you know that's how you end up with the the fucking gropers thinking that he's their dad like you know it, it doesn't matter as long as you're owning the lips you know yeah absolutely so i mean i mean what more can you say about the death of a hog you know it's just uh his, his body should be just pushed into one of those slurries in north carolina that is just there for like industrial hog runoff yeah he should be buried in a fucking tank of industrial sewage that is just a runoff from a slaughterhouse Mm-hmm. It was just pig feces because uh, that's basically what was pumping through his veins throughout his entire life. Good riddance. Eat shit. Glad you're dead. Uh, moving on. All right. Now let's talk about the the Texas ice storm because, you know, it, this is like a fucking pretty much like a Hurricane Katrina level natural disaster going on. It's like affecting one of the largest states in America. You're talking about mil- like every single part of their like infrastructure has been ba- knocked out by the by below freezing temperatures you're talking about millions of people who have spent a week without heat without electricity without clean drinking water um i I don't know what the death toll is from this i think it's 38 confirmed so far my guess is it would probably go higher than that but even if it doesn't like i just think like this whole thing that's going on right now in texas is like a perfect example of matt your thesis that all politics and political leaders or politicians in this country offer anyone who cares about it or is invested in the political process anymore is the opportunity to uh, gloat when their guy looks good and to like apportion the suffering that is in, like inherent in our system to people that they don't like. And to that end, consider yep. the fact that Andrew, Andrew Cuomo, Gavin Newsom, Ron DeSantis, and Greg Abbott Four governors who are responsible for roughly a third of the population of America. And, you know, you've got the blue state governors and the red state governors. And whenever anything bad happens in any of those states, they gang, everyone gangs up to, like, point at them to just be like, oh, look how things are going in California. Or yeah. when this shit happens to Texas, it's just like, oh, bet you feel bad about voting for Trump 
And it's just like this is everyone's just pointing at each other and like pointing out the flaws and cruelties inherent in their governance to cover up the fact that like everything sucks. Nothing works. There is no, yeah. there is no good example of governance to be had or there, there is not a single example of like at, at an executive level or at anywhere in our government of like anyone showing even the slightest inclination to solve people's problems or, or show that any like to, that, that values human life at all at all. And and just because like when Greg Abbott or Ron DeSantis fucks up something entirely, which they do, and they're absolutely guilty of, at least as far as Texas goes, it's just it's just an opportunity for everyone to say, I told you so, and to cover up for the fact that like their own state, be it New York or California, is also completely indifferent to the suffering and like the deaths of thousands. Yeah, and the no and the, it could be no other way because we know how everyone will respond to every crisis, no matter what it is. You've got the very poor, the people who suffer the most when things like that happen in any one of these states. They are out of the political process. They are unorganized. They will suffer as they have always suffered. The rich, the very rich, the people who actually in, you know, decide who becomes our leaders, they aren't really at the mercy of public infrastructure one way or the other. They can avoid any of this at their leisures. Does, so they are never going to press the political system to, to change things, to, to, uh, to uh, prevent it from happening, because that would cost them money and control, and they would rather hoard that than give it to a public uh, provision. And then there's the middle sector of voters, and especially at the state level, they know who these people are, and they know that 51-plus percent of them are on board with whatever the fuck you tell them. So Cuomo can kill every old person in New York. He can personally smother them with a fucking pillow. And as long as he can say that it's Trump's fault, the Democratic electorate in New York will say, that's right, it is. Good job, Mr. Cuomo. Here's another Emmy. And fucking uh, Greg Abbott can wheel his ass out and say, ah, this is actually the Green New Deal's fault. And 51-plus percent of Texans will shoot the ceiling with their six-shooters and say, damn right, you told him, Greg. And there will be no... The word that everyone has uh, fetishized for the past few years now, accountability, because everyone who matters in this, the voters, have already picked a side in the spectacle. They have one side or another, and it doesn't really change that much from year to year, so you know what people are going to say. And every event will be filtered through this, and no one will ever stop to think, hey, maybe the people I'm rooting for uh, don't have my best interest at heart. Maybe they're a bunch of blood-drinking fucking cannibals. No, because... I'm so invested in them owning the other side that I can't even conceive of, of losing my investment in them because then who, who will own my enemies for me? It's just, yeah, like, so like, I, I just like the dynamic I'm seeing here is that like states compete with each other now when something awful happens, which guess what is more and more frequently these days to show that like to demonstrate to the rest of the country and to themselves uh, which are the good states and which are the bad states. But, you know, no one's doing anything to make anyone's lives better. So nope. they can just say, I told you throw towards someone else. And like, it just, it's like you said, it's about apportioning the suffering, suffering that's inherent in our system towards groups that you don't like and covering for your team leader when he does something like, Oh, I don't know. Let's uh, covers up the deaths of 15,000 people in nursing homes uh, on behalf of a wealthy donor who owns the fucking homes where all these old people are dying in New York. I mean, it's just, uh, but I mean, uh, to, just to to, to, put, to talk about Texas for a second, though, there is something to be said about these states like Texas and Florida that have no state income tax. 
like being completely unable to just administer even the most basic social services in a disaster. I just like, I know Texas has been trying to like attract people from California because they're like, oh, you won't pay income tax here. It's a, we, we run our state better. But I just like, I love the idea of advertising to like other people to be like, yeah, come move here. We don't give a fuck about anyone who lives here. And guess what? Neither, you don't have to either if you come and move here. Because just like that, that's what you're saying when you run a state that like collects no income tax from its wealthy um, uh, residents. No, I was going to say, it's kind of funny. There's like that breed of uh, like Silicon Valley asshole who, uh, you know, in the wake of COVID and, uh, you know, not having to <laughs> to pay like $4,000 for a shoebox in San Francisco said, well, maybe I'll maybe I'll move to, to Texas instead because, you know, they understand about innovation and, and liberty and shit. And they're just going to go, all you know, they already have, but they're always just going to go and ruin Austin as well. Um, but, you know, they're all insulated from the the kinds of, you know, they, they can turn Austin into the fucking nightmare scape that San Francisco is. And it doesn't matter to them at all. Yeah. I mean, there's no real like new territory for what's happened in Texas. I mean, it's the same thing we've been talking about for a while now. Just the complete failure of all American institutions, the complete failure of all infrastructure and everything. But it does remind me of another hypothetical we had Uh you know, if Texas declared independence, how they would just the cartels would take them over and yeah, forty five minutes. They should do that. Yes, they should. They got do, the like, money and the infrastructure. Yeah, Knights. Yeah, Knights Templar or Los Ades would do such a better job. I mean, they might provide some fucking like constituent services. Because the cartels yeah. actually have a vested interest in making sure that regular people don't like a lie, like give information to rival cartels or the police. And so they have an interest in spreading the wealth around, at least to the degree to keep people at the base level at an area that they operate in happy, which our political leadership at every level has no fucking interest in. Give me a fucking cartel and, that at least has to worry is, that I might like drop a dime on them and get me a goddamn Christmas turkey or maybe some like a fucking heated uh, a place to stay when the goddamn lights go out instead of some psycho telling me you're on your own. Uh, have you considered <laughs> eating grandma? And did you guys see the, uh, the, um, the Texas mayor who actually Woo! resigned today because of what he posted on Facebook? This is really I'm funny. just shocked like, he resigned. Is... That's, that's the only thing I'm surprised by. I, you know, I'm not shitting on Texas on behalf of New York, but I will note, though, that like for much of the people like in Texas's history of the people who run that state and own everything are very proud of the ethos that basically says you're on your own. And this guy said it explicitly. He said um, uh, in a Facebook thing, he uh, directed his anger at people, quote, crying and looking for a handout. Sink or swim, it's your choice. The city and county or any other service owes you nothing. I'm sick. And, he goes here. Uh, uh, the situation is a product of socialist government, he said. And he urged people to, quote, think outside the box and not to wait for someone to come and rescue you. Adding at the end, only the strong will survive and the weak will perish, spelled P-A-R-I-S-H. <laughs> I would love to hear more about this socialist governance in Texas. Like, where's that been? <laughs> Can't even get Medicaid there. I mean, I mean they're, they're referring to the Green New Deal, which isn't even a bill that, like, exists. It's just yeah. it's something that's theoretical. And then, of course... And we like, don't have it yet. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, then, of course, like, cynically, all these people are blaming it on, like, uh, wind turbines failing. And it's like the wind turbines yeah. did fail, but like they only account for about 15% of the Texas like electricity grid. And the thing is like, uh, yeah, like the turbines that they have in Scandinavia and Iceland and Canada, you can better get like they're not freezing in sub-zero conditions because like they paid for, 
you know, heating elements that would prevent that from happening. To be fair, I can imagine deciding to build a wind turbine in Texas, you may not consider like a once in a generation ice storm hitting the entire state for a week. But like, there's a reason that like these things function, like things like wind turbines function in other places other than Texas. And the thing is, most of Texas's electricity comes from natural gas. And Texas is unique in America in that they're electricity infrastructure and like system is completely privatized and unregulated. And I want to read a little bit from the New York Times about this because it is pretty amazing. Um, for year, okay, just I'm quoting from this New York Times article about it. And it says here, for years, energy experts argued that the way Texas runs its electricity system invited a systematic failure. In the mid-1990s, the state, the state decided against paying power producers to hold reserves, discarding the common practice across the United States and Canada of requiring a supply buffer of at least 15% beyond a typical day's needs. Robert McCullough, of the McCullough research in uh, of McCullough research in Portland, Oregon, said that he and others have long warned about the potential for catastrophe because Texas simply lacked backup for extreme weather events and increasingly commonplace as a result of climate change. What they've done is systematic unpreparedness, Mr. McCullough said. It was not inadvertent. They planned this outcome. Who has been planning this outcome? You said. Well, he's a professor at Harvard University. William W. Hogan is the architect of the strategy that was adopted by the state seven years ago. A professor of global energy policy at Harvard's Kennedy School acknowledged that while many Texans have struggled this week without heat and electricity, the state's energy market has functioned as it was designed. That design relies on basic economics. When electricity demand increases, so too does the price for power. The higher prices force consumers to reduce energy use to prevent cascading failures of power plants that could leave the entire state in the dark while encouraging power plants to generate more electricity. It's not convenient, Professor Hogan said. It's not nice. It's necessary. Is it? Is it necessary? I mean, it seems it seems to be like that this is putting the light of the whole idea is that like if our entire civilization depends on producing electricity, um, maybe uh, the way that system is run shouldn't be reliant on, I don't know, market forces well what i love about that is like to say well it's, it's basic economics it's like have you considered that maybe basic economics is complete fucking bullshit and just like clearly doesn't work uh it is just completely wrong i don't know like the way that people talk about economics like it's real or you know a science or anything like that it's just like no it's, it's fairy tales complete fairy tale yeah it's, it's just simple supply and demand and when the demand for electricity goes up like for instance in a uh, extreme weather crisis then it's just simple economics that it makes sense that every fucking uh power plant in the state uh blows up at the same time because they can't handle it because they never we know it's just the rules of supply and demand didn't take into account that a lot everyone would demand their supply at, at one given moment and like the thing is like this is like they, they, they they've done nothing to winterize like their fucking energy infrastructure there at all which is like okay yeah it's texas sure but like it's not unprecedented that the cold weather happens there and it's just it happened it's entire, 10 years ago it, it's, it happened, they had a they had a big ice storm 10 years ago and they've done nothing since then i mean it's it's just it's just greed and deregulation like that's it it's not fucking wind turbines and, and granted, like wind yeah. turbines, like, you know, can't yet account for the needs of like an entire state the size of Texas. But it isn't the fact that they started building them. That's the reason that all these power plants just shit out. Because, I mean, they, they, yeah, like you said, like they, they were because of deregulation and privatization, none of these electricity producers were required to carry a surplus of like energy should it be needed. None of them were required to like update any of their like infrastructure or winterize anything so that when something like this happens, like I said, millions of people in this state 
are now just like literally, I don't know, uh, burning books in their living room to not freeze to death. It's like, it's a really fucking dire situation. And like, and Libby, I know like you, you just interviewed someone um, for like about someone who's like watching a family member's like the battery on their like oxygen, like their, like their, the, what is it like a, a breathing apparatus? Just like blink out. Yeah, yeah. I talked to a, a woman in, um, she's based in, in Florida, but her parents live in Dallas and um, the her father is 78 years old and has COPD and heart failure. Um, he, and his his oxygen tank just, you know, it just, they just had to slow, yeah, like watch the power go down slowly. Um, you know, it's extremely cold and so that makes it even harder for him to breathe. Um, and they had to go to the emergency room at like 4.30 in the morning on, I think it was Tuesday night. Um, and uh, she said that he told her that, like, it, you know, everyone there was was dealing with the same stuff. Like the emergency room was like overrun with people whose oxygen had run out. Um, and there's just, you know, there's, there's no like <laughs> you would think that the function of a government might be to um, provide for that kind of situation, you know, like to, to make sure people can breathe. Um, it seems like a very, a very basic thing, but this is the thing is, and it's, you know, it's not just, you know, you go to the hospital cause the, cause the battery is running out. Like people are going to get bills from this shit. Although she did say that a lot of people like weren't even being put into the system. Like their insurance is never even going to know about it because they were so overrun with people whose oxygen tanks were run out. Um, but you know, like this is a state where like almost 20% of people are uninsured. Um, it's extremely hard to get to qualify for Medicaid. Um, there's just no interest in making sure that people don't die essentially. Um, because that doesn't seem, it seems not to be considered a function of government to keep people alive. Yeah. And like I said, like for the people, for my, many of the people in charge of Texas and like running its government, like that, that's a, a bone, like that's a plus, like that's, 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 that's the ideology Absolutely. that they're, that they're seeking to not just like implement, but advertise to the rest of the country. It's like, Hey, yeah, like I said, move to Texas. We don't give a fuck about the, anyone who lives here and you don't have to either. Like, you know, you can't like you can't get can't get any government services if you need them, because if you need them it means you're weak and you should try better to be stronger, I guess, even though you, even though you're right. like, you, you can't breathe. And the thing is, though, that will it, it, it's a lot of people seem to think they have a hope anyway that like, well, eventually the people who think this way and vote this way and, and imagine politics this way, they're going to come into they're going to come to reality and then that's going to change them. And yeah, it will. But the thing is. At that point, they will be out of the circle. Like, if you are one of the people, you could be, uh, you could imagine yourself one of the elect, one of America's good people who made the right decisions and did everything right and uh, vote accordingly and don't want moochers to get anything they don't earn. And then if uh, climate change knocks at your door and, oh, you find out the state only exists to enrich people at the top and that you have, that they have nothing for you. You will just join the ranks of the dispossessed. You'll be out of the circle. And your revelation cannot, by definition, turn into like political agency because now you're going to have to worry about staying alive. And you can no longer be one of the people who absorb and invest themselves in the political spectacle that we do because you've lost the fucking free time and the security to do so. Right. And I mean, you mentioned Katrina earlier. And I think, you know, if I think if it were the case that you just sort of had to wait for these like, you know, clarifying moments to happen. Um, then, you know, Louisiana would never be electing, you know, fucking Clay Higgins types again, because 
Uh, yeah, though, they gonna always <laughs> be elected that Clay Higa because he know what the people want to see. If he wants a man who sound like a, a fancy chef in a cartoon talking to them <laughs> about the Black Lives Matter. That's what they want. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing is it's it doesn't require these moments because these moments don't do anything. We just had a we, we're a year into a fucking pandemic. Uh, you know, like those moments don't do anything. I mean, I do have to say Clay Higgins was. He was in favor of $2,000 checks. He was? Yeah, he was. That's awesome. Le bon We're going to get that money spent it all. Yeah. He understands how you got to go to have a good time on the bayou. You need them government checks. I like. I was thinking about Clay Higgins again. And I was laughing. I'm about, always thinking I'm about him. I'm always thinking about him. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, he's perfect. But I, was, I was laughing thinking about him uh like going to take a pen out of his pocket to sign something and then just like Johnny, like it's like Louisiana pancake things. Those like cornmeal pancakes just fall out of his pocket, like eight of them. <laughs> he, just he, has, like, he takes that pen out of his pocket and it's an andouille sausage. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, he has like, he has a coin purse, but it's filled with like little slices of andouille sausage. <laughs> I mean, just like, I mean, just like to think about the insanity of like, without electricity, like literally nothing about human civilization is possible at all. And like, it doesn't, and it doesn't like it, all it takes is it for it to go away for like a little bit for it all to fucking come apart. Trigger effect, baby. Anybody see that movie? Classic. And like the insanity of, you know, having something that necessary to like people being alive, running on a profit model is, is, Really says something, and there's one more th- one more take that I want to. In addition to the the guy from Harvard University who's like, well, it may not be nice, but it's necessary to have this completely irrational way of like appro- you know appropriating the way we like power is produced in this country. Uh, there was this guy who tweeted. His name is John Arnold, and uh, oh, you might yeah. be familiar with him because he was one of the Enron guys, but he was one of the guys who never went to jail for would, yeah, uh, for, would, for like Enron. He was an Enron trader who and who made a shitload of money trading energy futures in the uh, earlier 2000s. Fantastically rich, very conservative, awful guy. And now I don't know if like, I remember the uh, the fucking the, the Enron documentary, the smartest guys in the room. But in that, like one of the Enron schemes, like before the like the the, the, the big one that took them down was involved throttling California's energy market and causing on purpose rolling blackouts. And in that in that in that movie, they have like recorded phone calls between Enron energy traders, probably maybe even John Arnold himself, openly laughing about quote grandma Millie like 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 freezing or starving to death in California and like yeah so here here's this guy's take on it he says the story of Texas power this week won't be renewables versus thermal even though that's what everyone wants to argue about every power source wind solar gas coal even nuclear has issues the question will be to what level of reliability should we build energy infrastructure and it's just like that's a question now I mean, is there's an option to be like make it, you know, sort of not reliable versus somewhat reliable? How about I don't know? Shouldn't the standard be like reliable 100 percent of the time? <laughs> it could be. It should be as reliable yeah. as people the people can afford. That's that's the yeah. that's the standard. If you can't afford reliability, I'm sorry, you're on your own. And when they say afford, they mean. Uh, not like provisioning for the people who are in the area. It means provisioning for them plus profit. That's the thing. Yeah. Like 
that like the 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 California wildfires and this uh, blackout in Texas. What they one thing they have in common is is that needed repair and infrastructure improvement was avoided or put off because it would have reduced fucking dividends and profits for private shareholders. And that is the that's the that's this unspoken part that informs all of these like tough, uh, you know, realistic uh, discussions about like, well, how are we going to how are we going to price this so people know the value of it is that built into that always is the assumption of profit, which when you're talking about something like fucking energy is absurd. Mm hmm. I found a good quote when I was looking uh, for stuff about this earlier. Um, this is uh, CNN, um, and uh, they were talking to um, about the electric, uh, I think it's called the Electricity Reliability Council or something, which is, you could imagine, is supposed to make sure that electricity is reliable. And um, <laughs> the quote is, when asked on Wednesday why ERCOT hasn't mandated more winterization to prevent outages, ERCOT Senior Director of System Operations, Dad Woodfin, said it was not required. I guess the role of ERCOT is not necessarily to mandate those kind of things. Oh, okay. So what the <laughs> fuck is it for then? Like, why does it exist if it doesn't exist to make sure that it's reliable? It's to make money. It's to make people money. That's why all this shit exists. That's why literally everything we have exists. We pretend publicly that this stuff exists to provide services for people, but it actually exists to make fucking money. And if it doesn't make somebody somewhere money, if it doesn't buy somebody child slaves and an island to have sex with them on, then it does not have value and there's no reason for it to exist. It don't make dollars. It don't make sense. Mm -hmm. And uh, now uh, millions of people who are now it's seven degrees outside in Texas and there's no heat or water at all are uh, coming smack into the face of that reality. Um, yeah, I guess the other thing everyone was uh, talking about today is the fact that uh, it's <laughs> Ted Cruz decided to go to Cancun <laughs> while this was happening. No, okay, okay. There's been, a cor- there's been a correction on the story. That's actually his daughter's fault. That's true. Uh, by yes. his own admission. Yes, yeah. yes. It's his yeah, piece of shit daughter. daughter get mad at anyone, get mad at his daughters. That's not his, his fault. Da- his, his seven and eight year old daughters were like, we need to Those go to send your daddy. Let's go. Those are the worst ages. His daughter, who was previously famous for refusing to hug him yeah. on camera. I mean, this this poor girl, man. Yeah, we already know they're bad. They're <laughs> like, I'm sorry, oh like God. they wanted they wanted to get away from Ted Cruz. I respect that, and you know they were yeah. very pleased when he decided. Oh, like, his phone is blowing up. It's like, well, I guess they caught us. I guess we. I got to go back and pretend. Oh, this is the amazing no. thing. He is claiming. That they went, he went there to escort them there and was coming yes, right back. Yes, yeah, he was going to come back. Come back. Stay for one night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you, you why would you need a suitcase? You need your wallet if that's what you're doing. Like the the absolute dis- like what this shows more than anything is that these people know that there is no such thing as the word everyone is looking for accountability for a politician yep. who has figured yep. out where the center of gravity of the voter in their state is. Ted Cruz because, knows like, I mean, that the average fucking Texan, even if most of them aren't from Texas, will support conservatism and whatever it means. He's got that seat as long as he wants it. So he doesn't have to worry about getting in trouble in any meaningful sense. And anything that he can't ride out by doing whatever he wants. And so, yeah. Oh, power's out. Let's go to Cancun. But then people find out, I guess I got to go home. What will I say? I was escorting them like I was their bodyguard. Uh, and then and they then, don't like, believe the it, other, the it other... doesn't fucking matter. Who's mad at him? Def- People who don't vote in Texas elections anyway. Yeah, exactly. And like, and, and of course, like, of course, could you imagine 
if like any fucking like popular democratic or liberal politician did anything even close to this i mean shit the guy in austin did this exact thing during covid and like you know he got shit on for it but like the idea that like the defenses of ted cruz coming in from people like uh, ben shapiro and dinesh d'souza i saw them both taking the same line today is that they were both saying well you know in a crisis like this there's not much that ted cruz or any individual senator can do outside of you know what do you want them to do like thaw out gas lines themselves and it's just like well yeah maybe that's a start yeah, that would be great. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you do any kind well, of constituent services. How about you just fucking show some solidarity with the citizens that fucking voted for you? How about you fucking yeah. suffer a little bit like they do? Like, the idea that that doesn't even enter into it, that, like, well, I mean, he can't, he's not going to personally be able to, to end the crisis. He might as well fuck off to Cancun. It's like, well, why are we doing anything? Why are we even having fucking politicians? Why are we, why are right. we having anybody who is supposed to represent uh, us? In any sense, if that is the amount of obligation we have to each other, why are we pretending even to have a democracy at this point? I mean, I would love to stop. I'm sick of the fucking charade with this thing. And if you want to say we're done with democracy, thank God, then we can actually confer, like, look with, so- with sober sense at the conditions of our lives. I would love that. But you guys are insisting that democracy matters and that this shit is real. And then at the drop of a hat, you're like, actually, these people have no obligation to anybody. They can do whatever the fuck they want. Okay, let's take that to its fucking conclusion. And then not it, it, the not, second it's, it's over, pretend that you didn't say that as soon as the fucking news cycle changes. And it's time to get mad at, like, AOC for eating fajitas uh, like turret at, because, like, uh, there was a fucking transistor fire in Queens or whatever the fuck. Yeah, and no, it, it, it's not. It's not the thing like that they have no obligations whatsoever. Because like you know, when it comes time to you know vote on a tax cut or like if you're in Texas, you know the state uh, cannot do anything for you. It cannot. It won't pass any laws except make it illegal to criticize Israel if you you know do business with the state and contracting. Like they'll they'll pass that law easy, and Ted Cruz will show up for that. But the thing is. It's not so much like they're saying like, oh, they have no obligations to the people who voted for them or their constituents. It's that they're saying, well, you know, in any of these crises, you know, like one person can't really make a difference. Like, what do you expect them to do? Stop it personally or single handedly? Like, like that's their out. And I'll just notice like it, it, it is gross and it's an obvious evasion. But this is basically the default line that anyone who is invested like in a partisan perspective on American politics is the position that you're taking now about like any demand that anyone do anything to, to, to help anyone like COVID or whatever. It's just like, well, now Joe Biden's president, if you point to like any of the way he's managing this crisis, you just say like, people will just say the same thing. They're like, Oh, what do you want him to personally stop the disease from spreading in the country? Oh, you, you want him to personally stop deportations? Come on, Wait, come on, be realistic, grow up. And it's like, yeah, like, like that's the standard now. It's just, you root for the guy who's on your team and you find excuses for why that they're they're seemingly unable or it's just a, out of all the power that we give them or they supposedly have they no one can seemingly use any of it to affect any positive change in anyone's life or just make anyone's life easier or better in the slightest or just even like i said administer like the barest triage in the midst of like several ongoing once in a generation disasters that are happening in this fucking country yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's very possible that this ends up being a sort of net benefit for Ted Cruz. I mean, you've got these fucking little wormy people defending him. I mean, like, if he put up a GoFundMe for the change fees on his flight, he would raise like $20 million immediately. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he sent out like a fundraising email based on this. Like, oh, the libs don't want me to have my vacation. They don't want me to tan my little leggies in the in the Cancun sun. And you know what? Like, 
I'm sorry, Joe Biden hasn't showed up in Texas to help anyone either. He had a goddamn not, what, what fucking the fuck is he town hall and he just like farted out the Pledge of Allegiance. Okay, well, let, this is the perfect segue now because let, let, let's take a look at what the guy in charge has been up to because it, it is so funny. The biggest fucking quotation marks on earth in the guy charge. In charge, yeah. So, I mean, we all saw this during the campaign, during the primary, where it's just like the, the goal is to hide Joe Biden as much as possible. I talked about how like in the Super Bowl address to the nation, he just said, uh, Super Bowl Sunday, everybody. And then Dr. Jill spoke <laughs> for two minutes straight. And it's just they're like there's there an article today about how or the other day about how um, Kamala Harris is fielding phone calls from like the foreign heads of state on behalf of Biden, which is, you know, that's that's not something that happens usually in a presidential administration. Do you think Emmanuel Macron was thrilled to talk to the fucking vice president or like the head of the World Health Organization was like, oh, yeah, oh, I'd love to talk to the number two, you know, and it just, yeah, it's these are the people like, who are supposed to just show up at fucking funerals and yet they got to <laughs> pretend they got to be like, oh, right. We have to pretend like this old motherfucker is still the president. So like, yeah, like no matter no matter how bad the crisis is, no matter how many millions of American citizens are suffering from like like uh, conditions that like we point at in other countries to like justify intervening in them, like in Venezuela or whatever. Like, oh, like, look, they, they don't even have water there. They like the state can't even like the power grid is failing because they're so greedy and, and, and evil. Um, they, we're not doing anything for anyone. And like Joe Biden, they just like it's so clear that like they're just they're they're gonna they're gonna trot him out there like once a month into these like highly managed like media appearances of which this recent Anderson Cooper town hall was a great example and I think we should just look at a, just a few clips from the latest Biden town hall because there's some there's some choice there's some choice cuts in there I think that are are, are worth um, enjoying so uh, Chris why don't you uh, cue up that first Biden town hall clip all right sir good to see you man hey folks how are you. Good to be back, man. That's nice to see you, sir. And you know you enjoy being home with the baby more. And I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I do, yes. Yeah, he's nine and a half months, so I, I'm very happy. It. No, no. Everybody knows I like kids better than people. I so. saw a picture of you with your grandson. <laughs> what's recently. up, That's right. man? <clears throat> uh, yeah. what, what? What's up? Uh, what? Uh, what? Oh, God. I like kids better than people on a bed of leafy greens. <laughs> this this is kind of, kind of goes counter to our assumption, which is that like they never let Biden into the pedophile cabal because they were worried he'd just start talking about it on uh, in public. I mean, maybe he's been to a few meetings. I mean, no, this, this is just him. Just he's just it's the Biden algorithm. It just he it, it's just this 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 personability based on saying like, "Hey, man, like I, I yeah. saw you with a baby. Aren't, yep. aren't they great?" Don't, yep. don't, you, don't you love babies? <laughs> yep. And, like yeah, this guy, like, the last time he had, like people need to remember this about Biden. He had, he's had one before he ran for president. And he, at that point he was just being let around. He was like Captain Pike and fucking Star Trek just being like <laughs> let around. The last time he actually like ran a, a successful campaign was when he ran for Senate when he was 29 years old in Delaware in the 70s. And he won by just like going to potlucks and Kiwanis clubs and slapping beefy guys named Dale on the back and asking how their wives were. That, and that is what he still thinks politics, the entire sum total of politics is. 
All right, well, let's get let's get into this next clip because like Joe Biden in this one, he gets onto his crazy white boy shit, which is really Biden at his most powerful. So let, let's roll this next one. <laughs> I'm going to say something's going to get me in trouble, which I couldn't go through a whole show without doing that. What he okay. really got? Oh boy! If you want to know where the American public is, look at the money being spent in advertising. Did you ever five years ago think every second or third ad out of five or six you'd turn on would be biracial couples? <laughs> No, no, I'm not. I'm not the reason I'm so hopeful is this new generation. Yeah. He's been like listening that. to Comptown. They're thinking differently. They're more open. And we got to take advantage of it. I want you to. He got applause for that. So, so Biden is saying, like, he like got a... fucking applause. For <laughs> he said, that's right. There are a lot of bisexual, <laughs> biracial couples and bisexual couples in commercials. Nowadays, you see an Asian no, guy he's just, dating he's a just, black woman. He's just, Yes, this is why I voted for him. <laughs> I also love here his specific metric, which is every second or third <laughs> ad out of five or six, which is just like a really weird correction to do. Yeah, that's about uh, that's some Scott Steiner math right there. Every, every third, every two two thirds of every three fourths of commercials is a uh, black guy smooching an Asian lady. What's the deal? And the thing is, I'm sorry, he's not wrong. <laughs> he's not. He's not but like but these are the only observations he has. But what I love about that is like your average, you know, like uh, seething, resentful American white grandpa sees that and he's just like, ah, oh, goddamn globalists. Uh. And, and but Biden's like, yeah, that's like what ha- that's the difference, essentially, because he's essentially the same guy as everybody's sundowning grandpa in the Midwest. The only difference is he's like, yeah. oh, that's actually good. That's it. That's the only difference. Yeah, it's it's and, it is fundamentally a grandpa observation. It's yeah, no, exactly. Like, it, 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 if you're if you're making grandpa uh, mindset, that's why I don't. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm a grandpa. Like, it, <laughs> yeah, I just like I just like the idea. <laughs> like, he has a big yellow legal pad, and he's like, oh, "Jill, we're sitting down to watch the game on Sunday, Mac. Come on." Yeah. And he's got like a legal pad, and he's just checking off count every the ads. Ad, every <laughs> ad that has it features an interracial couple in it. But like, no, yeah, like, it, it, you know, it, in a year into this fucking pandemic. Like he's just looking around for like positive things to point out about American society getting better and more open is just like, uh, look, look, look at the commercials, Jack. I mean, I never thought Toucan Sam was a black fella, but he is. It's like That's principal Skinner's appeal, like- mom, like getting out the book of cakes or doing portrait <laughs> night or whatever for him. The activity is like <laughs> counting the ads, like counting the black fellas he sees in the ads. But like, that's why, honestly, like the degree to which Biden has appeal to anyone under 80 mm-hmm. is like, Hey, you know your vaguely racist grandpa that you feel uncomfortable around? He's like the good right. version of that. Like Biden, you can just imagine he is your grandpa instead. That's the pitch to right. the, to, to like the. It has the, to be yeah. a grandpa. Yeah, it's like we can't like you know. we're always going to be ruled by senile white guys. It's it, there's nothing <laughs> right. out of that. But imagine if the senile white guys were a little more woke. That's it. Like a little more woke. All right. Well, let's go to like the, the this this last clip here actually gets into some policy. So, you know, like, let's, let's, let's listen to this one. Loans are crushing my family, friends, and fellow Americans. Me too. Run that back. Run that back, Chris. Run that back. Oh, man. What a fucking liar. Loans right. are crushing my family, friends, and fellow Americans. Me too. <laughs> I just the graduated American from the new school, man. But how can you fulfill that dream when debt is many people's only option for a degree? We need student loan forgiveness beyond the potential $10,000 your administration has proposed. We need at least a $50,000 minimum. What will you do to make that happen? 
I will not make that happen. It depends on whether or not you go to a private university or a public university. It depends on the idea that I say to a community, I'm going to forgive the debt, the billions of dollars of debt for people who have gone to Harvard and Yale and Penn and schools, my children. I went to a great school. I went to a billions school. Billions of dollars. Um, but is that going to be forgiven rather than use that money to provide for early education for young uh, children who are come from disadvantaged circumstances. They really did not give him Adderall for this. Here's what I think. Yeah. I think everyone, and I've been proposing this for four years, everyone should be able to go to community college for free. For free. That's, that costs $9 billion. Fucking losers we should pay for that. And the tax policies we have now, we should be able to pay for it. You spend almost that money as a break for people who own racehorses. <laughs> and I think any family making $125,000, whose kids go to a state university they get into, that should be free as well. I just like, he's, yeah. he's talking through momentum. He's talking like, his like verbal style in this town hall is like, he's like slipping down a ramp. And he's like, all right, all right, we're at the middle of the sentence. This is the easy part. This is <laughs> all right, man. Got to get to the door, get to the handle, gonna open it up. It, it's like he'll be he'll be in the middle of a sentence, and he'll be like, oh man, how did I get here? Uh, l- l- like, listen oh. here, listen here, <laughs> back. Every every American should be able for free to go to community college and befriend a group of multiracial uh, uh, students <laughs> and learn lessons about life. And find out at some point that they're actually inside a, 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 a television sitcom. And then, the, the, then over time, you, you go to Yahoo at one point and your episodes are uh, uh, on the Internet. And you, 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 you kind of go up your own ass in the, with the metatextual stuff. Uh, every American has that right. Dan Harmon got one of those Me Too's where he was rude to someone. Now, I don't necessarily <laughs> agree with that. But no, like he was in the middle of that sentence when he was talking about uh, like giving money to kids. And he just... He was like, it was like he went into a room to look for something and it was either in his hand or he forgot what it was <laughs> because he like in the middle of that he goes, and I think that maybe that money should be given to, and he like sort of got mad. He was like, oh, damn it, Joe, you forgot your words again. And then, and then like, and then <laughs> well, he found the, the handrail and it was like, you know, that's as much as tax breaks for horses. <laughs> that's like how he was going to get to the end of that sentence. He did awesome. I love that. Like he while she was talking, he like well, looked off stage. Like there was a guy with a big, uh, just like with paddles, like red and blue, <laughs> like a, a red and a green paddle to let him know whether he should say they're going to do it or not. Like a, like a man in black, just be like, nope. And it's like, okay, I guess I'm going to have to figure this out. Uh, not in favor of that. Uh, Harvard, Yale, uh, early child education. Uh, Jeff Winger, uh, you know, I think he always really loved Britta more than anyone. <laughs> Yeah, he is, every time Joe Biden, like, there's a commercial break at something like that, like, the G-Man from Half-Life is like, very good, Joe. Uh, Just remember, you can't do anything. And he's like, I got you, man. Well, see, this is the difference between him and Trump is, like, obviously very similar in losing their way in the middle of a sentence, like, getting halfway through and not knowing what they were going to say. But with Trump, he just like the whole time believes he's doing a great job and he'll say any old shit that comes to mind. But he's like, yeah, I'm fucking yeah. nailing this. Whereas Joe Biden gets halfway through and he's like, oh, man, I don't even believe this. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> and he just he, he like has this sort of Irish like depression about it. Yeah, Trump is like 
And Trump will also never say, like, he never said, oh, I can't do that. Even, like, he would constantly say things he had no intention right. of doing. Like, $2,000 mm-hmm. checks was a good example. But he was, like, anything to get out of this sentence. And I'm going to, like, I'm getting out of the sentence the right way. But Joe would be like, all right, we need a dignified exit to this sentence. Those sentences are like his Afghanistan. They're the <laughs> graveyard of empires. He has to make sure he does the, a good job leaving it. Leaves the sentence in better shape than when he found it. No, no, the way the way he like justifies like saying like we're not gonna we're not gonna forgive up to fifty thousand in student loan is because like he's selling it on this idea that like you know what uh, we don't want to like uh, use tax dollars to like you know write off the loans of people who went to Harvard and Yale. Meaning, like, you know, George W. Bush or people like that. But, like, often the people who have the biggest student loans are like people who took them out to go to Harvard and Yale because they're from a disadvantaged background. And, like, everything in our culture says that, like, hey, if you want to get into the ruling class, go to Harvard and Yale. Like, they're, they're, well, these are the only people we take right. seriously. In fact, you can run Texas's entire energy grid into the fucking gutter and kill, put millions of people into fucking freezing, uh, destitute conditions because you went to Harvard. But, you know, if you like the idea that, oh, that like you're getting away with something because you took out a loan to go there. And like, you know, that that just means you're a rich kid. No, it's in fact, like I think a lot of the people with the most student loans are the people who took them out because they got into these elite institutions and went there on the promise that it would pay off or like that they would enter into this. Yeah. A professional like, you know, ruling elite. Well, Harvard actually like I hate to give them credit because. No, it should be disbanded and they should use that endowment fund to build gyms everywhere in Massachusetts. But uh, they did like cancel like a shitload of their student debt, like a lot of it. I mean, effectively putting them to the left of Joe Biden on this issue, which is incredible. But yeah, I mean, uh, the whole thing is is a total red herring because it's not really about people who go to uh, just a very small number of people who go to these elite institutions. Yeah. It's about like the median student loan owner, you know, mm-hmm. like people who take out, I don't know, like twenty thousand dollars or whatever to go to like some shitty school nearby and study something that like doesn't even help them get a better job or whatever. Like those are the people that are actually important or whatever. It's It's just like. It's, it's the Buttigieg thing all over again. Right. Like, oh, I don't want to pay for the children of millionaires, you know. Right. I don't want I don't want to, like, pay for, like, Ivanka Trump's college. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, no, we should we should just get rid of the USPS because I'm subsidizing mail. <laughs> right. It's exactly. so fucking stupid on the face of it that it shouldn't even be entertained. Yeah, exactly. Ivanka Trump and people like her don't fucking take out student loans. Yes, because exactly. Because they've got a shitload of money. Yeah. So they just pay for college. I mean, but, you know, I mean, again, like, I guess, like, the theme of today's show is, like, you know, justifications for why no one can do anything, despite, like, all this power that like, they're supposed to have. And it's just, like, it comes back right. to this idea that, like, what we're seeing in the pandemic, and we're seeing another demonstration of it right now in the uh, Texas ice storm, is that, like, you know, disasters keep happening, and they seem to be happening, at least environmental ones, at a uh, greater and greater clip. And it's just, the idea is, like, that... that our government, our country, like, just isn't real. It doesn't exist to do anything for anyone. Yeah. It's just it can't even mm-hmm. uh, can't even provision like even the barest of services to people in desperate need. Ponzi like, the wealthiest scheme. country in the world, and it's just like our society just isn't real. America is not a real country mm-hmm. anymore. And I guess mm-hmm. like I mean we don't have a lot of time left, but like Libby, I know like this is your beat now, but like there is no better example 
of the fact of like that this is just a fake country than like the way we treat healthcare in this country. Like it's just or the way we like don't don't treat healthcare, I guess I should say. Or just like the idea that like you like it costs, I don't know, thirty grand to have a child in a hospital even with health insurance. It's just like what this isn't a real place. Like, how, like why? Like, why are we putting up with this shit? Yeah, I mean, I, I tr- to, to that last question, I truly don't know. Like, more and more, I wonder why there aren't people like bombing United Healthcare's headquarters or whatever. You know, and I, I mean, and I know why. It's the same reason why you know the mass protests that happen are always fleeting, and um, you know, even when stuff is going really badly, it's just everyone is just so fucking beaten down by it, and people can't imagine anything better, and. It, I think one thing that struck me, like since I launched Signote and I talked to everybody for, you know, I've interviewed people who have had huge uh, medical bills because um, their kid got sick uh, or, um, you know, because they just woke up one day and they couldn't see out of one eye and you know, suddenly they're $7,000 in debt or whatever. And like, again and again, people say to me, like, you know, well, I just, I feel like obviously I could have had it so much worse or whatever. And it's like, it doesn't matter how low down you go. Like people are always saying like, well, it could have been so much worse. And, you know, I think there's that, that kind of instinct, which I, you know, is understandable um, to say like, well, you know, I have some privilege or whatever. It's like, no, like, unless you have an absolute shitload of money in this country, you are one disaster away from being completely fucked over by like a medical issue, or a random accident or disability or anything. And like, there's actually, you know, obviously it gets easier if you have private health insurance, it gets easier if you have employer sponsored health insurance or whatever, but you really have to be extremely fucking rich to not be, you know, a hair away from disaster or just living in disaster, living in completely like unimaginable difficulty. You know, I, I talked to someone recently who is diabetic and um, is on Medicaid and he cannot earn any more money because then he will not be eligible for Medicaid anymore. And if he did, he would have to get an Obamacare plan. Even if he could get that subsidized and it would be free, he would then have to pay for his his insulin. He would have to pay for all of his drugs. He'd have to meet a $7,000 deductible or whatever. So he is quite literally trapped in poverty because of his condition. And like, I, I don't know. I think it's by design. I have to, I have to conclude that it's by design and that the state wants people to get sicker and to die more because it's cheaper and because the sooner they die uh the less we have to spend on on caring for them in the incredibly bare way that we do it already yeah i think the way to understand america like as will said it's not a real country it is a giant ponzi scheme and the thing that is generated uh like that has been the driving engine of america since its founding is the idea that there is always a bigger sucker than you that's it. That that's what America is. It is. It's yeah. not about finding a, a a way to provide for others at even the theoretical sacrifice of even like a scintilla or a fraction of your own comfort or fucking uh uh yeah, like money. It is offsetting all of the the costs of what it what it is to be a country onto somebody else, someone who is just slightly less clever, less on the ball, less uh of a grinder than you are. And one of the big things that's causing us to have this massive fucking, you know, uh, social, uh, nationwide nervous breakdown that is manifesting in our politics now is that we're running out of suckers and we don't know how else to be. We do not know another way to be other than to try to fucking scam somebody. And that's all we have. And with the absence of that, we're freaking out. And 
the only the only hope we have, and I know people get like bummed out about episodes where we talk about how fucked everything is and how doomed everything is. At some point, before you know, having a polity becomes impossible. The the I think we all have to assume and hope that we get to a point where even the 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 most mean among us realize there is not another sucker coming through the door. And that means that we actually have to start answering, asking questions that other countries have been asking for a long time and that we've always been able to avoid having to deal with of how, what do we owe to each other? Yeah, no, and I will say that, yeah, similar to that note of optimism, a lot of the current social safety nets that dwarf our... I mean, we really don't have one in this yeah. country. I don't. I think yeah. it's very safe to say we just absolutely it's a don't have one. It's a social safety net. It exists to give the impression, like uh, honestly, the reason, like our social safety net, to the extent it exists, it exists so that people can think, if the worst happened, I'd be okay. But then, when the worst happens, they find out, oh, there's nothing here. But at that point, it's too late for them, and they're not. Will, they're out of the fucking. They're out of the club. They're out. They're out of the circle. Now, this isn't universally true. A lot of these were created during the height of empire, but a lot of them and the cornerstone of a lot of them were created when the big dance was over. Now, obviously, everything is not perfect after the fall of empire. In fact, nations always enter or don't often enter a very dark period. A lot of genocides have happened after the fall of empire because it drives people insane and it empowers really, really awful people just like the empire did. But a lot of modern social safety nets were created by countries similar to ours experiencing the swan song of dominating the globe or dominating their region. I mean, the NHS was sort of born out of yep. The, yep. the beginning of the end or the end of the British European Empire. social democracy was defined by the end of, imper- of European Empire, 100%. Yeah. So, I mean, I think part of that is Empire is just. It's finding suckers everywhere. Yeah, it's finding suckers in like local proxies. It's finding suckers in people who you're going to send over to enforce the empire. And running out of suckers means running out of empire. Yeah. And as Matt said, when you run out of suckers, that's when you actually think about what we owe each other. And you know, I think if anything gets us there, it may be the road we're on. But there's going to be a lot of pain before that. That's yeah. I see. I like. I feel like. The reason people want to want to like just say that they're black pill, whatever the fuck that means, that they want to be hopeless, is because they assume, you read like, articles. They, all they the want time. they want things to get better <laughs> without there being suffering. They want us to be yeah. able to figure this shit out absent a reckoning. And I'm sorry, the reckoning is built in. You cannot have a change. You cannot have like history is pretty clear on this. You cannot restructure in a positive direction your social order absent suffering and pain and so fearing the pain and suffering is a hundred percent real uh, uh understandable but assuming that it means doom assuming that it means destruction is really just failing to reckon with the idea that 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 suffering can lead to anything better and i understand why people think that but i really don't think that the history of humanity shows you that that's the only answer that there is a reason to believe that like coming like people talk about how like what's happening in texas is like a preview of how we're going to deal with climate related uh, uh disasters no this is it the preview nothing this is it yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's been it for a it's while not happening and like yeah 
it's monstrously terrible and people are being just allowed to suffer at at some point we are all going to have to come to the conc- to come to the question of like okay i can't assume that there will be no pain with uh involved with change pain now is inevitable but can that pain be transformative and can we contribute to making it transformative as opposed to making it just another excuse for us to destroy each other with fantasies that if we just inflicted more pain on the people we blame for this, that it'll allow us to live without suffering. I just think, you know, whether it's the, uh, the, the pandemic, what we're seeing in Texas right now, or a million other smaller examples that we see in front of us every single day, in a country as wealthy and developed as ours, like we, we, we're going to have to ask ourselves, does it make sense to have the, um, the things that we depend on literally to live and by that, I mean electricity and healthcare, like very basic things that allows us to like individually to stay alive and us as like a civilization to like have one. Um, is it rational to like govern and appropriate those things in a system of, in which the only purpose for them is to make a small amount of people money and that like the actual like having electricity or healthcare for any person is vastly a secondary consideration? And the thing is, like, that, that, there, that I don't know if there's a political solution to that because our entire political system is created for the people who own energy companies and healthcare companies. Yeah, I mean, we had, we had like, a sliver of a, of a chance last year, and it was, it was Bernie Sanders, and we didn't take it. And now that we're down this road, I, I truly have no idea what, what it's going to take, Um but we we chose the worst path. I'll say that. I I sure do wish Bernie had won. Well, I mean, I guess like Matt, what you said, like it's not. This is not a preview of things to come. This is not like a a warning sign or whatever. This is it. This is what it looks yep. like. Mm-hmm. Like we're we're yeah, living. You don't it have now. to wonder like, oh, how does this relate to that? This is it. And I understand why people don't want to to say that. They want to always be framing this in the term of like. I am reckoning with patterns that will resolve into something because if it's this, if this is it, if we are in it, then it's going to hit us at some point. And I understand why that is a terrible thing to imagine. But like the reason if you're listening to this and you are not impacted by this, it has nothing to do with your virtue. It is luck. And that is what's going to determine who suffers and who prospers in this moment is luck unless we transcend individual interests and homo economicus and fucking become self-conscious agents of controlling the fucking system that is supposed to work for our benefit, that is supposed to work for humans, broadly defined, and not for the profit of a very small segment of which, which has been, conf- which has been intentionally confused as a general uh, well-being. Well, I mean... Uh, <laughs> Like I said, like I, I either you're aware of this or you're not, but um, th- yeah, I guess I, I, I hard hard to wrap up there, but uh, I will just say no. I mean, not fuck. I don't know what to say. But I'll say Libby Watson. Thank you so much for joining us. And you know, you did mention your healthcare reporting. Uh, you should check out Libby's new uh, Substack, Sick Note, for some uh, truly good reporting and very infuriating tales of like the reality of uh, what healthcare means for 
people in this country and what interacting with that system actually entails. Thank you. And also, I do want to say if anyone listening has a healthcare story, um, especially if you're on Medicaid or uninsured or uh, low income, um, and not just, you know, your interactions with the healthcare system, but if you have like a shitty job that makes you sick or it makes your back hurt or something like that, then I want to hear about it. Um, so, you know, you can find me on Twitter and, and reach out to me there. Libby Watson, always a joy having you uh, join us here on the podcast. Um, until next time, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, Libby. Bye.